Good morning, everyone. Today, as we continue our sermon series, Represent, we're learning how, as Jesus' people, we can represent Him well in the world. And in this time of uncertainty, stress, this time of grieving a lot of things that we used to take for granted, it's more important than ever that we who have the eternal hope and security of Jesus represent who He is well for a world that needs what only He can give. And we've been learning from the lives of many of God's people in this series, and today we're going to be learning from three different Marys who encountered Jesus, and their stories are uniquely uh, a way of teaching us how we might represent Jesus in the world today as we go about our Mary way. Uh, And there actually were more than three Marys that Jesus hung out with, but today I'd like to lift up what Jesus did in the lives of these three Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary of Bethany, who is the sister of Martha and Lazarus, and Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother, represented Jesus through living her trust in his power to change the world by acting on God's call on her life, trusting that she would see the world transformed through Jesus' power. Mary of Bethany represented Jesus' lordship, showing how we are changed when we honor him, worshiping him boldly with our full attention and adoration. And Mary Magdalene represented Jesus' passion to save and redeem people, modeling how we join him in that passion for the world when we share our own stories of what Jesus has done in our lives, what we've experienced of him. Mary, the mother's example, says, do what he tells you, Mary of Bethany's example says, learn from him, adore him. And Mary of Magdalene's example says, tell his story, which is your story. And we'll start first with Mary, the mother of Jesus. In Luke 1, we learn that this Mary was a young girl from a backwater town whose family had arranged for her to marry a man named Joseph. But then an angel crashes in, announcing that God has his own plans for Mary and Joseph. And this angel tells Mary that she's going to have a child conceived miraculously by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who breathed life into all creation. And this child will be the Son of God, the Messiah that her people had been waiting for. And Mary's answer to this call was humble, brave, and trusting. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And when God showed her relative Elizabeth what was happening with her before Mary even had to try to figure out a way to explain it, Mary was so overwhelmed with relief and joy that she bursts into a song celebrating God's goodness, a song all about what she believes that God will do for the world through this Jesus. And really, it's the same thing that he's done for her. She sings about how this Jesus will lift up the lowly, and in him they will be blessed. Because Mary sees this Messiah transforming a broken world to bring it back to right, to bring in justice and peace. And she believes wholeheartedly this is what God is sending Jesus to do. And so she says, I'm all in. And we see this trust in her in John 2, when at a wedding that both Mary and Jesus were attending, uh, they ran out of wine, and Mary seeks out Jesus to tell him about the problem. In John 2, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. 
Knowing that Jesus had the power to transform, Mary brings the problem to Jesus. But recognizing his authority, she doesn't tell him what to do about it. She just makes him aware of the problem and receives his gentle reminder that his public ministry must only begin on God's timetable, not on hers or anyone else's. And her response is just to tell the servants, do whatever it is he tells you, even if what he tells you is nothing. Jesus' ministry follows God's timetable, but obviously in this case, God says, okay, son, you're up. (laughs) And so God's power to transform the world in Jesus is first revealed in this strange, quiet, compassionate miracle, turning water into wine behind the scenes to save a poor family from shame. And just as Mary had sung over him, Jesus shows that he came to lift up the lowly in ways that make a difference in the daily lives of real people. And all through Jesus' ministry, Mary the mother follows him along with the other women to see how God will use him to transform the world. But when that day ultimately came, Mary the mother was pierced to the heart. She was broken herself to witness what it took for Jesus to transform a world broken by sin, what it took to break sin's hold over us by dying with it on the cross. But that was not the end of Mary's story or ours because it was not the end of Jesus' story. That was only the beginning of the world's redeeming. After Jesus' resurrection and after his ascension in Acts 1.14, even into the Pentecost, Mary the mother is still with the disciples, still learning how Jesus, as both Lord and Christ, transforms a broken world, one redeemed and forgiven heart at a time. See, Jesus still lifts up the lowly and scatters the proud until each heart is ready to receive him, one heart transformation at a time. So what can we learn from this, Mary? Well, I'm sure, like me, when you look at this broken world, your heart cries out to see Jesus transform it, to make it new, just like Mary's did. And so we follow her example. We bring those things that need transformation to Jesus. We pray, Lord, please move in this. And then we take Mary's advice and do whatever it is that he tells us where he calls us to move, to act, to participate with him in his call to lift up the lowly, we do. We do what he tells us because when we do, we see things transformed, not by our power, but by his. So what needs Jesus' transformational power in your life today, in your family, in your community Can you, like this Mary, trust him enough to bring all of those things to Jesus and then listen for what he tells you? And when he calls you to join him in action, to get involved in his plan to lift up the lowly, will you, like this Mary, say, I'm all in, put me in, coach? The witness of Mary the mother teaches us, do what he says Because Jesus comes to transform a broken world, and sometimes he wants to do it even through you. This kind of love and action for others, this might be your kind of merry way to represent Jesus well. But the second example of a Mary is a little bit different, Mary of Bethany. And I'd like to think of this Mary as passionate, curious, eager, maybe a little single-focused, but her singular focus is Jesus. 
In Luke 10, 38 through 42, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So Martha is clearly a hostess. This is a role that she performs well, and she's a blessing to others. Martha's problem is not around how she serves the Lord. It's in her assumption that her way of serving has to be Mary's, too. This is all about cultural expectations, because in case you'd forgotten, Mary and Martha also have a brother, Lazarus, but Martha doesn't ask Jesus to tell Lazarus to come and help her. Just Mary, the sister who, like her brother, is sitting at Jesus' feet, learning, absorbing his teaching, growing as a disciple. So to ask Jesus to send out one sibling and not the other is to say, Lazarus's place is here, but Mary's is not. But Jesus' gentle answer is completely countercultural. He takes Mary's side. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. It will not be taken away from her. Jesus is saying, if where Mary wants to be is here, learning from me, I will not send her away. There is no better place for her to be. You see, I don't think Martha is just worried and upset about kitchen things. I think Martha is worried and upset about how does this look? This young woman learning as if she's one of the disciples, not culturally appropriate. What are people going to think? Is Mary bringing shame to Jesus by doing this? But Jesus gently shows that what he came to give is for all, male, female, old, young, and this is the only thing that matters. Because of Jesus, we have a place forever with him at his table, and no one can ever drive us away from him. And we see later on, showing her gratitude for who Jesus is, this is how Mary serves the kingdom. In John 12, 1 through 3, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But the minute this was done, the value of this act of worship is immediately challenged by Judas, saying, why didn't this perfume get sold and the money given to the poor? Implying that action is what honors Jesus. This is just a waste. But unlike Mary the mother, Judas wasn't actually interested in lifting up the poor (laughs) as much as he was in skimming off the proceeds for himself. But immediately again, Jesus defends Mary in verse 7. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You see, acting to honor Jesus' heart, to transform a broken world, is one way of honoring Jesus, but there is another. Mary of Bethany's story shows us how our hearts are changed when we realize we belong in his grace, that we have a place in his love, and wholehearted worship 
Thankfulness, devotion, adoration both inspires and encourages those who witness it. And with her beautiful devotion, this Mary inspires us to notice Jesus, to remember that he alone is the one thing needed. He alone is Savior. And her witness is an invitation for us to come to him ourselves. While Mary the mother acts to do alongside Jesus, Mary of Bethany's witness woos us as the fragrance of Christ, the sweetness of just being in his presence, learning from him, knowing we belong. We love the one who seeks to lift up the lowly, but sometimes we are the lowly that he wants to transform. And so he calls us not just to find our worth in doing, but sometimes just in being with him. Experiencing the love of our Lord gives us hearts that want to lift up the lowly like he does. The witness of Mary of Bethany is to worship boldly, to live her adoration so others are drawn to the one that she adores. Does your love for Jesus spill over as a sweet fragrance of Christ to the world? Is this your Mary way? To do or to woo? Or is yours the way of the third Mary, Mary Magdalene? The most we learn about this Mary's background comes from Luke 8, where we learn Mary had been trapped, a prisoner of seven demons that had taken over her life. But Jesus saw her, the real Mary, in all that had oppressed her, and he set her free. And from that time on, her passion was to be part of what he was doing. And in that culture, it wouldn't have been accepted for women to serve in the same kind of public way that the male disciples did. It just wouldn't have been received well. But in the ways that they could serve the mission, they were there. And they were brave. Mary Magdalene was at the cross with Jesus until the bitter end. And afterward, on the third day, it was this Mary who went to anoint Jesus' dead body in the tomb, which it turns out she was unable to do because he was no longer there <laughs> and no longer dead. But this was not the first conclusion she jumped to. When she saw the empty tomb, she ran to tell the disciples, assuming that somebody stole Jesus' body. And when Peter and John went to investigate and then left, Mary just stood outside the tomb, distraught, weeping, and without realizing it at first, met the risen Jesus herself. In John 20, at this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not, did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. And so Mary Magdalene became the first person ever to proclaim the gospel, that Jesus had risen from the dead. Commanded by Jesus himself to go and tell, Mary became the apostle to the apostles. Mary's way of representing Jesus is simply to share her story, to tell what she herself has experienced of Jesus. I have seen the Lord. And guess what? They didn't believe her. <laughs> 
not until they experienced Jesus for themselves. And guess what? Those with whom you share your story of what Jesus has done for you, they might not believe you either until they have experienced Jesus for themselves. But still, your story matters. Anyone who had known Mary before under the influence of the seven demons and then met her after encountering Jesus, they would want to know, what happened to you? And whether they'd believe her answer or not, they couldn't deny something was different. Her story mattered. And so does yours. Your story also becomes part of the evidence of the gospel for others. You are a living witness that Jesus' love, Jesus' promise, Jesus' power really does rescue, save, restore, redeem, renew real people. When you have seen the Lord in your life telling your story, his story matters for the world. Is this how you represent him in your merry way? These three Marys showed very different ways that a life can represent Jesus well. But what they all have in common in each and every one of them is that they are very intentional. Their intention is to honor Jesus showing God's good heart for the sake of the world. And they are all done in response to what God has first done in them and for them. Jesus' power alone sets us free. His power alone saves. So how about you? This world today needs to know the God who came for them, who loves them now more than ever. So what is your merry way of showing who he is to the world? Your love language of witness might find its sweet spot in action, lifting up those who need his empowering love to show that his love changes things. Yours might be to do. Or it might be in pouring out worship and prayer that demonstrate the beauty of the one who so loved the world, to draw people to the one thing they need most, Jesus himself. It might be to woo. Or it might be in telling your story, his story, of what Jesus has done to save and restore you, that you tell it until hearing and seeing the evidence of lives changed, they too can offer up their ugliest brokenness to the one who came to set them free and make them new. Your way might be to tell. Three Marys, three different ways of representing. Do what he tells you. Learn from him. Adore him. Tell your story. So how will you represent this Jesus in the world this week? For just as he came to transform and bless the lives of these three Marys, this same Jesus is here today for you. What does he want to transform in you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need your power in us now more than ever, and so does our world and so, Lord, as we look at the example of these three Marys, we ask you, Lord, where we have failed to represent you in these ways, we ask you that you would forgive us, Lord. Where we have failed to do uh, what you have called us to do, uh, to follow where you lead and lifting up the lowly in this world. Where we have failed to worship you in devotion and adoration and to show the world our love for you where we have failed to tell our story of what you've done for us. Lord, forgive us. We have seen your power in our lives. We have seen the way that you love this broken world. 
So, Lord, today as we offer up our lives again anew today, we pray, Lord, that you would transform us, Lord, so we might be vessels of your transforming love. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.